For generations, Neanderthals have been a source of fascination for scientists. Now, new research is uncovering how they lived, why they went extinct roughly 40,000 years ago, and what their story reveals about us, Homo sapiens. I'm Ment Marawani, and this is The Conversation Weekly, the world explained by experts. Today we've got with us Benoit Tanson, head of the science and technology section at The Conversation in France. Benoit has been working with Ludovic Slimak, an archaeologist at the University of Toulouse III, Paul Sabatier in France. Ludovic has been studying the history of Neanderthals and their extinction around 40,000 years ago. Hello, Benoit. Thanks for joining us. Hello, man. Thanks for having me. Benoit, you've been working with Ludovic since early 2022. Can you tell us a little bit about him and his work? Yes, of course. Uh, we work together to publish a few different articles about uh, very interesting uh, discoveries he made about the early migration of Homo sapiens in Europe. So he wants to change our visions about uh, how Homo sapiens came to Europe and maybe how the different uh, relationships we could have with our cousin uh, Neanderthals. Okay, and what exactly drew you to this work? Uh, in fact, my own background is uh, biology. So I, I'm very interested about all the life sciences uh, research and especially human origins. I found this topic quite fascinating answering uh, the question, where do we come from? So when we first talked and he taught me about his research, I thought it was a, a really good topic for, uh, for the conversation. Benoit, you've been working with Ludovic over the past few months and he's also just released a new book in which he's made some very bold and provocative claims that really challenge some of the existing assumptions by archaeologists about the history of Neanderthals. Can you tell us what he's been arguing? Yes, actually, he's convinced that our visions uh, of uh, how Homo sapiens arrived in Europe are not true. Before his work, we thought that Homo sapiens arrived in Europe about 40,000 years ago. Approximately the same time Neanderthals went extinct. And from his work, he brought some evidence that Homo sapiens actually was in Europe 10,000 years before, so around 50,000 years ago. So it's quite a game changer in that story because for about 10,000 years, Homo sapiens uh, lived with Neanderthal, but we don't really know uh, exactly how they lived together. But this research, it can change a lot about our own uh, history. Thanks so much for speaking with us, Benoit. Now, I reached out to Ludovic and I spoke to him. I dig caves for something like 30 years and uh, I've been trying to understand who was Neanderthal, how he could have suddenly disappeared some 40 to 42,000 years ago. Ludovic says, up to now, our understanding of Neanderthals has been distorted and he wants to correct that in the hope that we might be able to learn something. Not just about Neanderthals, but ourselves, Homo sapiens too. As in the past, Neanderthals were perceived like a brute caveman, you know. And uh, then just said, okay, we have to, after the Second World War, we have to make this rehabilitation and we have to understand and put different worlds. The renewed interest in the study of Neanderthals was down to the discovery of new fossil remains in Germany in 1997 
and advances in technology, which allowed for more detailed analyses. Ludovic suggests that scientists at the time were wary of being sort of racist towards Neanderthals, and so they ended up projecting too much of Homo sapiens onto them, rather than seeing Neanderthals as they really were, a species which saw, thought, and interacted with the world in an entirely different way altogether. The deep definition of racism is to be human, you have to be what I am. And this is precisely what we are doing since 20 years with Neanderthals. He has to be human, and so he has to be what we are. And doing so, the problem, we are killing him a second time. He died first 40,000 years ago, and now he dies for a second time because we are not able to have a very direct and concrete look on what he was. We are not able to understand the diversity. We are not able, as in our society, to understand the difference as sapiens. We have roles, and these roles define our way to understand the world. So, to understand Neanderthals better, who and what they were like, Ludovic has dedicated part of his work to finding out what happened to Neanderthals and the diversity of humans that once populated our planet. And just to be clear, when he speaks about humans and their diversity, he's not talking about different types of cultures we find today. He's referring to the many species of humans, or hominin, that existed thousands of years ago. Two of these types of humans we'll talk about today, Homo neanderthalensis and Homo sapiens. We have a common ancestor something like half a million years ago, so that means somewhere in Africa, there were some hominins that were the ancestors of both Homo sapiens and Neanderthals. But then these two humanities had their own lives in Eurasia for the Neanderthals and the other in Africa. With advancements in molecular biology in the 21st century and the first sequencing of Neanderthal DNA in the early 2000s, scientists were able to prove that Homo sapiens and Neanderthals originally shared a common ancestor when both species were still limited to the African continent. Then, around 400,000 years ago, Neanderthals set out to migrate into parts of Europe and Asia, or Eurasia for short, and their genetic lineage began to diverge and evolve separately from Homo sapiens. And the fascinating story began that after half a million years of separated evolution in completely different environments, at the end, we see that these two populations that are now deeply divergent in terms of genetic and evolution and traditions, suddenly they met again. At this time, there were no longer at all the same humanity, but they shared for a time the same spaces, the same environments, and maybe sometimes the same caves. You're making me think of these images where we see the evolution of Homo sapiens. And in those images, we often see one of the stages being represented by a Neanderthal. So what you're saying essentially is that Neanderthal's evolution is entirely separate to sapiens evolution, right? Yes, both sapiens and Neanderthals have a common ancestors, but then after half a million or two, three hundred thousand years, these two populations had their own path of evolution and they evolved on distinct continents. So they were very different one another. 
and these two populations met again. And their exchange is very likely IDs and genes. So, when sapiens began migrating out of the African continent into Eurasia between 50,000 and 100,000 years ago, they likely crossed paths again with Neanderthals who had already migrated into Eurasia around 400,000 years ago. But just how the two populations related to each other and interacted isn't fully understood yet. We even don't know if the genetic contact occurred in Europe or in the Near East. And after this period of contact and cohabitation in Europe, suddenly all Neanderthals disappear on planet Earth. And we don't know why. And that's a very deep enigma because this is the last extinction of humanity. To understand what led to the extinction of Neanderthals 42,000 years ago and how Homo sapiens came to be the only species of humans to survive, Ludovic says we have to dig a little deeper and study artifacts from the period before Neanderthals became extinct. It was in 2022, while working in the Mandarin Grot in the Rhone Valley in southern France, that Ludovic came across a surprising discovery that would challenge some of the scientific assumptions about Homo sapiens' migratory history from Africa into Europe. And the Rome Valley is something very important because it's the main natural corridor between Mediterranean Europe and continental Europe. And there, we realized some years ago that we have 12 Neanderthal layers that go from 42,000, so the moment of the extinction, to 120,000. The 12 layers of rock and sediment correspond to major archaeological periods in the site that range from a climatically very warm period 120,000 years ago to the extinction of Neanderthal 42,000 years ago. We began to work in the middle of that sequence in layers that were dated at 54,000 years. And then we began to find incredibly modern material. And that was very modern technologies in sandwich between very classic Neanderthal technologies. The technologies Ludovic refers to are hunting tools and weapons, like spears, bows and arrows. So when he says modern technologies, he's referring to those crafted by Homo sapiens, while classic technologies refer to those crafted by Neanderthals. Ludovic and his team found evidence of these modern tools in the archaeological records at a time when Europe was thought to be exclusively occupied by Neanderthals. The discovery, according to the team, is what proves that Homo sapiens arrived in Europe about 10,000 years earlier than scientists had previously thought. This is important because, if true, it proves a theory that other scientists had already been proposing, that Homo sapiens really did overlap with Neanderthals in Eurasia. But not only that, at the Mandarin Grot, Ludovic and his team found teeth belonging to Homo sapiens in sediment layers corresponding with a period that's associated with Neanderthals. Remember, Homo sapiens were thought to have made it to Europe in one migratory wave 42,000 years ago, so around 400,000 years after Neanderthals arrived. So, after 30 years in Grot Mandarin, we find something like 90. Which can say, well, it's not a lot, but in fact, that was a pretty nice discovery. All nine teeth should have only been from Neanderthals. But when Ludovic sent them to his colleague for analysis, he found that this wasn't the case. He analyzed them by micro CT scan, so very high resolution. And then he, he told me, well, Ludovic, there's one tooth here, which is different. It's an Homo sapiens, and in fact, it's an archaic Homo sapiens. 
And so in this major corridor, we had the demonstration. We published that in 2022, that we had a very early Homo sapiens migration. And the year after that, in May 2023, I published another paper in PLOS One explaining that what we thought were the first migration of Homo sapiens in continental Europe between 40 to 45,000 years ago were, in fact, the last wave of three waves of migrations that affected the continent between 55,000 and 42,000 years ago. So what you found is that sandwiched in between the different layers of sediment that included teeth of Neanderthals, you also found Homo sapiens teeth. And that is what suggested to you that Homo sapiens migrated earlier and in various different waves. Precisely what we had were a Homo sapiens migration in Neanderthal territories. Ludovic's work is provocative. His claims are considered controversial by other archaeologists in the field. The site where the tooth was found has been linked to a technological industry, which is notable for some of the oldest and most sophisticated stone tools and artifacts, such as flint knives, blades and scrapers. Many archaeologists have argued that these tools were produced by populations of Neanderthals, not Homo sapiens, as Ludovic now believes. Ludovic dismisses this. He says Clément Zanoli, his colleague at the University of Bordeaux, who analysed the tooth, was 100% sure that the tooth belonged to an archaic Homo sapiens, not Neanderthals, meaning it's more likely it was sapiens who produced these tools. Before we continue, I wanted to tell you about a podcast that we absolutely love listening to. It's Outrage and Optimism, a useful weekly guide for anyone wanting to make sense of the complexity of the climate conversation. Whether you're suffering from climate grief or anxiety, are already fired up, full of hope and taking action, or somewhere in between, the podcast will help you navigate feelings of outrage and optimism and leave you feeling informed and inspired. Hosted by Cristiano Figueres, Tom Rivet Karnak and Paul Dickinson, the trio share their expertise, insight and humour with the world's climate thought leaders, making the show the leading global independent climate podcast. Search Outrage and Optimism wherever you get your podcasts. We'd highly recommend you check it out. In May 2023, Ludovic and his team published the remainder of their findings in a paper arguing that what scientists originally thought of as the first wave of colonization of sapiens from West Asia to Europe was in fact the last of three waves. And each migratory wave yielded its own distinct culture, the first taking place 54,000 years ago, followed by the second wave 45,000 years ago, and culminating with the third wave around 42,000 years ago. This was happening while populations of Homo sapiens elsewhere were expanding into other regions of the world, including Oceania. We have at the eastern end another major historical event, which is the colonization of Australia. And so by 55, 60,000 years ago, precisely at the same moment, we have another migration of Homo sapiens that conquer a new continent, where there were no Neanderthals, but only huge mammals like kangaroos. <laughs> and so you have huge expansion of this Homo sapiens population that conquer all the eastern end of Eurasia and all the western end of Europe. And all that is at the same precise moment. And it's very likely that we have here a major event 
and the major at the scale of the human history. So the expansion of human beings happened at a very fast pace and across huge territories. And at the same time, Neanderthals were also following their own migration paths parallel. Well, that's the moment where we have this Homo sapiens expansion, but also this expansion occurred on all the territories of Eurasia. And in all these territories, there were a large diversity of humans, and they very likely they met. At the same time, other human populations existed too, such as Denisovans around Siberia, Homo florensiensis in what's Indonesia today, and Homo nalidi in modern-day South Africa, for example. As populations of sapiens migrated and expanded to different parts of the world 40 to 50,000 years ago, all other human species disappeared, leaving sapiens behind as the only human species to survive. All these humans disappear very quickly. So something happened, and this is very likely one of the most intriguing questions in our whole history. Populations that live on these huge territories for 300,000 years in any kind of climate, in very warm climates, in huge forests, and in Arctic conditions when you, during the Ice Age, they are super well adapted to any kind of environments and climates. They are super smart. And suddenly, bam, nothing. How is this possible? There were a lot of theories, and all these theories were making pim, pam, pum, like for the dinosaurs. So we are the question of huge volcanoes explosions, the question of climatic changes, the question of epidemia, the question of radiation from the sun, and etc., etc. But if that affects all the planet, you must explain me why Neanderthal is vanished and not Homo sapiens. So there's something very strange here that happened which can't be an event. If it's not an event, what is it? If it's not an event, because it's on a too large scale, then it's a process, and we must interrogate this process. To try find any clues about what that process might have looked like, Ludovic set out to study the tools Neanderthals and Homo sapiens had crafted more closely. His hunch was that by examining the tools and tracking their development over the course of Neanderthals and Homo sapiens' migratory evolution, this could perhaps tell us something about why one species survived while the other didn't. In 2016, Ludovic got on a plane to Harvard University's Peabody Museum in the US. The museum holds a range of tools and artefacts belonging to Neanderthals and sapiens that were uncovered in the Ksar Akil cave and the outskirts of Lebanon's capital Beirut. Over the course of three years, while comparing the flint stones that had been found in Lebanon with those found in France, he noticed something about the way the flint points at the top of the spears were crafted. The flint points Homo sapiens had crafted during their evolution in the course of their migration to Europe all looked strikingly similar to each other, despite the fact that some of them had been made tens of thousands of years apart. There's a million ways to produce a flint point. And suddenly, I realized there was the same technology to make the same point. If you measure them at one millimeter, there's no statistic difference. We are 3,000 kilometers from the Rhone Valley. 
in the East Mediterranean coast. That was stupefying, but there in that site, we knew that this technology were made by early Homo sapiens. At a point, I realized something that my colleagues never precisely understood before that. I realized that if you take Homo sapiens tools or weapons, technology, whatever they are, 100,000 years old or 55,000 years old, after you saw a hundred of these tools, the 10,000s after that are precisely the same. So we have a process of standardization of production in series that is very specific to our species. But now if you take Neanderthal tools, they are nice also. They are also impressive, some of them. I think nobody is able to reproduce them today. But there's something else. Because this tool, it's something unique. That means even if you see a million flint tools after that, each of them will be different from the others. That's something crazy that is systematic among all Neanderthal societies, all Neanderthal technologies that we never see in Homo sapiens. What he's arguing is that Homo sapiens standardized their method of producing these tools to make them more efficient, but Neanderthals didn't. Their tools were all made in different ways with seemingly no standard method. So you don't see the standardization of tools in Neanderthals in the same way Homo sapiens were standardizing their tools, right? It's not simply that each Neanderthal tool is unique. It's also that when you take a Neanderthal tool and you have a look on it and you see that the craftsman, when he was making his tool, is going to play with the morphology of the boulder, with his texture, with the color of the flint, Sometimes it just follows the colors like that. When it makes a transformation, he creates his tools. And so, Neanderthal is in dialectic with the raw materials, with the elements he's transforming. While when we are dealing with an Homo sapiens technology, Homo sapiens has an idea and is going to, to force all the raw materials to be transformed to his own idea of what is a good thing, what is the reality of the world. And that gave a result of hyper-standardization. For Ludovic, it's this discovery in which might lie the clue for why Homo sapiens have survived and Neanderthals didn't. He says the Flintstones suggest Neanderthals were far more creative than Homo sapiens. Homo sapiens, on the other hand, he says, are efficient, they think the same and dislike divergence. He argues it's not that Homo sapiens wiped out other humans, but rather our tendency to categorize, systematize, and standardize everything we do and encounter might have placed us at an evolutionary advantage over fellow human species at that time in history. What I say here is not that Homo sapiens is superior to Neanderthal. I said Homo sapiens is hyper-standardized and this standardization provided him an hyper-efficacy and an hyper-ability to conquer all the planet. Why on Neanderthal, what we see, it's an incredible creativity. So now we have an incredible paradox. If the definition of human, of humanity, is the freedom of mind and the creativity, then maybe that the humans 
disappeared 40,000 years ago, and it remained only a very specific variant of humanity, us, Homo sapiens, which is super efficient. While it may seem positive to be efficient, Ludovic says there is something deeply unnerving about our hyper-efficient ways as Homo sapiens. Doing all the same time in the same way all together, that's the definition of, of martial arts. You walk all together in the same way. You must wear the same clothes and you don't have, must have one millimeter of difference. All our armies on the planet worked on that process to be efficient and to be superior to the others. If I want to be superior to my enemies, we must all behave exactly the same way. That's something super scary. I think that the waves of sapiens through the planet induced the disappearance of any other humanity on the planet simply because we are what we are and we are super efficient. And in our way to be efficient, we are not able to understand a different way to be in the world. So we have to learn to beware of ourselves. That's it for this episode of The Conversation Weekly. It was written and produced by me, Mend Mariwani, with assistance from our producer, Katie Flood. Gemma Ware is the executive producer. Sound design was by Eloise Stevens, and our theme music is by Nita Saal. Stephen Kahn is our global executive editor. Alice Mason runs our social media. Thank you also to our colleagues in France, Benoit Tonson, and to Natalie Sauer, who worked with Ludovic on the original story for The Conversation. You can find us on Twitter at TC underscore audio, on Instagram at theconversation.com or email us at podcast at theconversation.com. If you like what we do, please support our podcast and The Conversation more broadly by going to donate.theconversation.com. Thanks for listening.